say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. You need another chance to be who you want to be. Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new direction. My name is Jay Izzo, and I am so excited about today's show. Today is a special show. Today is a special day. Well, every day is a special day, but today on a new direction, it is incredibly special. I mean, first of all, I've got Sean Douglas, right? He's a veteran U.S. Air Force. He's going to be awesome about talking about his book, uh, Decisions, uh, The Power to Overcome Self-Defeating Behaviors. That's going to be awesome. But, you know, as you all know, right, we do this whole thing, Facebook Live, and then we've got CastBox FM Live, and, and you know, we're on every podcast. I mean, that if it's, if it's important, from iHeartRadio to iTunes to Spotify, if it's important, we're on that podcast, right, so you can listen to the show. But this show is the first show that is going to be on WRLY 93.5 FM in Raleigh, North Carolina, otherwise known as The Oak. And so welcome listeners at WRLY in Raleigh, North Carolina. Welcome to a new direction where we try to help people find a new direction in their life or their career and their business. And you're going to get to hear the most awesome Sean Douglas today. So for all you new listeners and those who are just joining us all over the world, thank you so much. So let's do what we do every week. All right. So let's walk you through the four areas of your life and kind of do a check-in, right? And here's what I believe. I believe we are four-part people. We are physical people. We are mental people. We are emotional people and we are spiritual people. And we need to check in regularly with ourselves in all four of those areas to find out how we're doing, where we're at and where we're going, right? So on a scale of one to 10, one being miserable, 10 being outstanding, how are you doing physically right now, right? What's that number for you? Somewhere between a one and a 10, one miserable, 10 outstanding. What is that number for you right now, right? So now you got that number, right? Maybe it's a three, maybe it's a seven, maybe it's an eight, maybe it's a five. You're kind of somewhere in the middle and you're feeling kind of average. Okay, so why are you that number? What is the things that are contributing to that, right? You're not getting enough exercise. You know, maybe you're not eating right. You know, what are the things that contribute to that factor, okay, that number? And then what can you do to improve that number? And I'm not looking from a big jump from a three to a 10. I'm looking like if you get from a three to a four or from a seven to a 7.5, right? What can you do to change that number? All right. You know, maybe it's, you know, right now, maybe it could be, you know what? I'm eating a bag of chips while I'm listening to your show, Jay. Put down the bag of chips. <laughs> it's a great start, right? Well, I'm drinking a lot of sodas. Well, put down the sodas, right? Get a bottle of water. Pour yourself a glass of water over ice, right? Something that maybe can just improve your health so physically. All right. So you got a number, right? They're between one and 10. So let's talk about mentally on the same scale, one being miserable, 10 being outstanding. Where are you at mentally today? Right. What I mean by that is, what are you feeding your brain? How how is your knowledge growth going? Are you reading books? Are you you listening to shows like this? Shows like this help both sides of your brain. You know, the right side is your creative side of your brain. The left side is, you know, the the logical side of your brain. So, you know, if you listen to a show like this, you get to exercise both halves of your brain. But there are so many other ways that you could be doing that, right? So, what are you doing to exercise that creative side of you and that logical side of you? And how are you doing in all that, right? And so, what's your number there? You know, one's miserable, ten's outstanding. Are you right in the middle? You know, what? and, and then ask the same question. How did you get there? And then, how are you going to improve? What can you do right now? Well, you're doing it, right? 
I'm listening to you, Jay, and that's helping, right? It does. That's a help for you, right? But you could do a lot of things. Maybe take up a new instrument. Maybe learn and get back to doing an instrument. Or how about, you know, learning a foreign language, something like that, that can help you as well because there's just a variety of ways that you did. Take up a new hobby. That could be another way of doing that too as well. So you got two numbers. You got your physical number and your mental number. And then, okay, let's talk about emotions, right? How are you doing emotionally? Same scale, one to 10, one measurable, 10 outstanding. How are you doing emotionally today? Right. I mean, and what I mean by that is, are the little things getting to you or are you able to overcome the little things? You know, I mean, our guest today, Sean Douglas, is going to talk about decisions and how you can overcome because, you know, sometimes, well, not sometimes, but most of our decisions comes out of come out of emotion. And so what happens is we are emotionally driven. And, you know, how well are you able to control that? How well are you able to keep the perspective when you do that? And then. And then, you know, the other part of the emotional piece is how well are you able to tune into the emotions of others? Can you understand their emotions? Can you relate to their emotions? Are you able to sometimes emote with them? That's what we call emotional intelligence and the emotional quotient. Sometimes you'll hear that thrown around. So where are you at emotionally, right? And same questions, you know, what are you going to do right now to improve that, right? Most of this can be done by intention. And then finally, the last area of our life, right? The spiritual area. Same same scale, one to 10, one being miserable, 10 being outstanding. How are you doing spiritually? And what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is, how are you doing with all that stuff? Okay, let's remove the physical, let's remove the emotional, let's remove the mental part of it, right? What's left? It's that thing that you can't explain, that you can't put your finger on, but you know that you that at the end of the day, you have something that you believe in. For some people, it's God. For some people, they think it's nature. For some people, they think it's karma. For some people, it can be themselves. They believe that they're their own God and they put faith in that and and they believe that that's what they do. So what is it that brings you back to center? What is it that's the thing that you have most faith in? When things go bad and miserable, what is it that you put your faith in to get you out, right? And and that's kind of what's left in the spiritual piece, right? And so then I'm gonna ask you, how are you doing there on a scale of one to 10, one being miserable, 10 outstanding, right? So, you know what? And if it is God, how's that relationship going for you, right? I mean, I'm just asking you, it's nature. How's that going for you, right? If it's karma, how's karma working out for you, right? So, those are the four areas of your life. And you have to think of those four numbers like the four legs of a table, right? If they're even and come even, you know what? If, if you're eating off that table, the plate stays still, right? But if they're uneven, trying to keep a plate there, well, it just slides right off. The same is true as if all four of your areas are too low. If all four of your areas are too low and you're sitting in a normal chair, well, it's kind of hard to eat off the table, isn't it? So the goal here is that what we do is that we bring the table up and, and we're balanced in our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state. And at the same time, what we're also doing is not only we balance, but we're bringing it up to that level that's appropriate for us to eat. And that brings me to uh, my next guest. And I could not be more excited. His name is Sean Douglas. He is a United States Air Force veteran. He is a TEDx speaker. He is a master resilience implementer, suicide awareness trainer, business position strategist, international radio host of a show called Life Transformation Radio. And he is, of course, an author. His why is he's a suicide survivor who hit rock bottom with no purpose or passion. And he believes that you, yes, you, I'm talking to you, were created for a purpose. And once you unlock your true potential, you will elevate your life, which is why he founded the Success Core. In a highly interactive, engaging environment, utilizing online mentoring sessions and face-to-face workshops, Sean works with entrepreneurs, speakers, business owners to improve their positioning in the market, which increases their profitability while decreasing their anxiety and stress so their business thrives. Sean equips them with the tools necessary to, to live epic lives and leaves them better equipped 
to manage and change effectively. He is considered to be an icon of influence in the new media space, and he hosts, of course, his very popular live online radio show, Life Transformation Radio, which is heard in over 66 countries and has thousands of listeners. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, without further ado, Sean Douglas. Sean, welcome to A New Direction. Hey, Jay, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So... The book is entitled, by the way, I uh, love this book. Let me, before I do that, and the book is available on Amazon if you want to get to get it. The book's entitled Decisions and Power to Overcome Self-Defeating Behaviors. And but the book, it was great. So I couldn't put it down. I was literally up to almost like <laughs> one o'clock. Though, when, when we start, Thank you. We, yeah, when we started talking about doing this together, and by the way, this happened really, really fast. Uh, between the two of us you, you, people yeah. don't oh, know very fast yeah we, we were if we were pulled a curtain back on the show what happened was i had a guest that canceled and i at the last second and i needed somebody to come in and do the show and i reached out sean came by and he said i've got this book i think it would fit in your show and I, so i said okay well you know I'll, I'll peruse the book and i thought well i'll just peruse the book well the book is entitled decisions the power to overcome self-defeating behaviors and i bought the kindle version i started reading it and the next thing i know it's one o'clock in the morning because I can't put it down. And the stories are riveting. Uh, it's it's a, just a riveting story. And it's, a, it's, it's, it's tragic. It's, but it's something I believe that all of us can relate to at some point in our life, at one point or another. And uh, it's just an outstanding book. And so I just want to commend you. I'm being so vulnerable and so honest with um, the book because it was just, it was outstanding. So thank you. That means a lot to me, man. And it was my first book I ever had written, and I agonized over the book, and finally it worked. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So let's talk about let's talk about the story. So uh, you're a you're a Michigan kid, right? Yep, yep. I am from Detroit, Michigan, and then I got some family all up and around Warren Center Line, uh, Port Huron, all that stuff. Okay, so. So you're from Michigan. Your dad is in the military, and he retired in 2012. Oh, uh, my dad really? was a senior master sergeant, first sergeant in the Air Force, and he retired in 2012. And funny, funny little tidbit: I was stationed at Lakenheath in England, and I deployed in 2003. Upon returning to England, my dad literally was on his way to where I was deployed. We literally high-fived each other and swapped duty places. Like, it was so crazy um, that, I, and it was like a dream come true, you know? I'm like, I'm serving alongside my dad. How cool. You know, so, very cool. How cool is that? I mean, I mean, I mean that, okay, that's not in the book, by the way, but it's a very cool part of this <laughs> Well, no, but it freaked out my grandma when we both called, and, and she's like, oh, how's it going? I'm like, oh, I'm here too, and she's like, wait, what's happening right now? <laughs> and so I and so I got back to England, and he was there waiting to leave. The, wow. England was the staging point for his, uh, for his team, and he literally, we spent like a day or two together, and then he was out. He was, he was gone. That's awesome. So let's let's talk about dad for a second because the story kind of begins here. I mean, really tragically. I mean, basically, what happens is there's this family. <laughs> I, I, I'm, all of a sudden, I feel the Brady Bunch thing going theme going on in my head. But there's a seem seemingly to be a kind of a happy family, and then dad up and leaves one day. Yeah, uh, it was his dream to always join the Air Force. He had to join the military, and my had, 
my grandfather and other people were like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. And then he didn't. Then he had three kids and a wife and said, look, you know, I've got to do this. I remember him telling me that I was sitting on his lap Mm. when I was in kindergarten and there's a storm is happening. It's happening right now. And he's like, I got to do something like this was this was the moment, you know. And much like when I joined the military, 9-11 had just happened, and I joined the military on 9-12. Wow. He joined during, during Desert Storm uh, time. It was happening. And he says, you know, I remember what was going on. I remember what was going on TV. I remember my feelings. Like, like I got to do this. And my mom said, if you join the military, I will divorce you. And he said, man, I got to do this. It's mm-hmm. in my heart. I got to do this. And so he left, and my mom divorced him. Wow. So, I, you know, I've always, I've always felt this, and you know, you kind of explained this in your story too, which I thought this was kind of interesting. I, I always feel that people who are in the military are kind of like, you know, in the ministry. I feel like they have there's something inside them that calls them to it. I mean, do, 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 is that do you find yes. that to be pretty true? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Not too many. I mean, I was a drill instructor for a while, and I had these conversations with the kids that were coming in, and it's not too often that some kids like I was bored. Felt like something to do. Seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> like that's that's not that's not what takes place. Right. It's normally ninety nine percent. It's I have a calling. This is what I want to do. This is the most amazing thing in the world, and I must do this. And so that's what they that's what we choose to do. That's awesome. We're talking with Sean Douglas, author of Decisions: The Power to Overcome Self Defeating Behaviors. And Sean Douglas is brought to you today by our sponsors, and that is Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. They partner with business owners when it's time to sell their businesses. So when it's time to sell your business, contact the professionals at Inline Business Brokers and Advisors, and you can learn more by going to inline.com. That's E-N-L-I-G-N.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, wherever you're at in the world, they can help you be matched up with the right professional to help sell your home or buy your home. And if you happen to be in the Research Triangle Park area, Find out why they are known to be the legends of customer service. And you can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And also the t-shirt shout of the week that I'm wearing right now for those of you who are watching on Facebook Live is from the little town of Ithaca, Nebraska. That's my little hometown. And they just had their 150th anniversary, which I was so grateful and proud to be there and, and be the marshal of their parade. And so they gave me the free shirt. And so I... Shouting out back and just saying thank you and, you know, thank you for all the lessons I learned uh, growing up in Ithaca, Nebraska. And we are talking to uh, Sean Douglas here on A New Direction, and we're talking about his book entitled Decisions, The Power to Overcome Self-Defeating Behaviors. So your mom divorces your dad, and uh, you decide to go, (laughs) that things start to get crazy, because mom, oh yeah, because things because enter enter cray cray guy. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it, but this enter enter yes enter the horror story villain um, that people have nightmares about. Yeah, that guy. So this guy, your mom meets, and they get married relatively quickly relatively quickly yeah they got married on uh valentine's day uh, about a year later within within the year of them being together and how old were yes. you how old were you at this time 
I was in second grade. So my dad left between kindergarten and first grade. And then we, I, we spent first grade somewhere, uh, probably in the house when my dad was in tech school and whatever else. But the first house I remember, and, and I won't spoil it until we get to the time, but the, the house that I remember living in was second grade and them getting married. I distinctly remember what I was doing. And uh, second grade, they got married, Valentine's Day. So the thing about this guy is uh, he becomes amazingly abusive. Um, he was very good at it. That was, uh, that was definitely his superpower. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't <laughs> laugh at that, but I was not ready for you to call a guy with abuse as, as a superpower. <laughs> but that is funny. <laughs> that was definitely his, um, that was what he was about. The physical, mental, emotional abuse of a mom and two children. My younger sister, however, was like three, four years old. So, I mean, she she had no idea. Right. You know, I mean, barely started kindergarten when the worst of it was going on. Barely started kindergarten. Barely maybe into first grade. Right. Very, very young uh, when the height of the of the terror was happening. Yeah, so this guy, as you describe it in the book, this guy was, as you just said too, is he was physically abusive. He was mentally and emotionally abusive. Can you give us, can you give the listeners some examples of w- what types of things he was doing? Uh, yeah, I remember specifically in the book, I talk about one particular night where I was woken up out of bed, and I hear screaming and crying and uh, and yelling, and I think I was probably fifth grade because it just aggressively got worse. I was about fifth grade or so playing little league. And I remember coming out of my bedroom and my bedroom was the first one down the hallway. So I walk out, hang a left, come into the living room and I see my older sister running into the kitchen and jumped onto the back of, of that guy and he's got my mom by the throat and she's bent over onto the stove and he's choking her uh, like over the stove stove was in the corner of the of the far corner of the kitchen and as she did that and jumped on jumped on his back uh, my mom was able to to kind of lift up and get free and was pinned against the wall and my mom tried to grab the phone to dial 911 but he yanked her by the hair and then she turned around and grabbed the phone and whacked him upside the head with the phone. And my older sister is yelling at him. And my mom is just beating the crap out of him with this phone. It was a cordless phone. You know, mind you, I'm 36. You know, when I'm in fourth or fifth grade, I mean, it's early 90s. Right, right. You know, right. So, we're, so we're living there. And, and, uh, and, she, and she's whacking him in the head with it, trying to get away. And. Uh, he pushed me, he saw me and, and I tried to grab my sister. He pushed me down and then, uh, I, I went and grabbed my, my wooden bat from little league and, uh, and I swung and hit him and he picked me up and threw me across the room mm. and, uh, and, and punched me right in the stomach, mm. Mm. like picked me up, literally picked me up, punched me and then threw me across the room. Wow. wow. You, you know, <sighs> First of all, I hate the story. You know, you described the story in the book, and yeah, it's it's tough. It's a tough read, right? I mean, I was engaged because it's a tough <laughs> read, right? But I was engaged. Yeah, 
And here's the thing, here's the thing, and I want to ask you this because I, I know that uh, maybe there's somebody listening that either is in a situation or knows somebody in a, an abusive situation, or maybe they grew up and they don't talk about being in an abusive situation. When I know that you speak to a lot of people, and I know mm-hmm. that you've talked uh, about this, and you've been very transparent and honest about it, but when somebody comes to you and says, "You know, how do I, t- how do I deal with this, these childhood memories? How do I, how do I explain it? What, what do I need to do? What is it that you tell them that helped you overcome getting past your past? I guess in this situation." That's tough, man. Everybody's different. If they want to speak about it or if they want to make concession about it, you know, like if they want to really move past it, acceptance is always the first step. Mm. Accepting what happened. A lot of times we want to block it out. We don't want to talk about it. We want to pretend like it didn't happen Mm. and it makes it worse. And a lot of my, my later traumas and trials and tribulations and things that I went through stemmed from not dealing with it. So what I tell people is if you want to talk about it, then do it. If you want to accept it, then do it. If you don't, then that's going to be really painful and really hurtful Mm. for you and for those that experienced it with you. It's like we don't want to talk about the elephant in the room, but the elephant just won't leave. Right. So you have to talk about it. You have to acknowledge it. You have to accept it. And the whole time I wrote this book, most of the book, uh, I was I was crying when I get to these parts, you know, and really writing this book was therapy. Mm. It really was. And this was my moment of acceptance. Like I'm now ready to tell my story, but it can only happen when you're ready. Right. So is there a is there a moment I'm I'm just shooting it from the hip here but is there a moment where you kind of go okay I've got to forgive this and move on is there is there that moment or is that is that a more difficult thing to deal with Part of acceptance is forgiveness And most of the times you have to forgive yourself mm. I know it's not my fault. I didn't make my mom marry that guy. I didn't make that guy beat us. I didn't make any of that stuff happen. Right. However, I'm sure I wasn't the easiest child to live with either. (laughs) Right. I'm just saying, I mean, I I don't remember. Right. Uh, I, I will tell you that I have a lot of memories at my grandparents' house, at my aunt's and uncle's house. I have a lot of memories. I don't have too many memories from living with my mom and him either because I don't know, psychosis, I don't psychosis, I guess. I don't know. Um, blocking it out. Yeah. Suppression, right. You suppress it, right. You're just, you're like, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I'm just going to bury it. Those, those deep hardened, you know, and some things that I, that I was actually remembering, I was like, Oh my gosh. And then one memory triggered another triggered another. I was like, Oh, I forgot about that moment. I forgot about the police showed up. Oh my gosh. I forgot about that. And then as I talked about these things, more stuff bubbled up. But when I started writing, I'm like, what do I talk about? Like, I don't, I don't really remember a whole lot, but you find out that you really do remember more than you really want to. Yeah. 
And the, and so and that helps you deal with that helps you deal with the mm-hmm. the issue, right? The, emo, the I certainly mm-hmm. helps you deal with the emotional and and probably mental, maybe even spiritual piece of it. I mean, 100%. you know, I mean, because you know, physically, you're gonna you know have to get over your wounds. You know, the time is the only thing that does that, and maybe time is part of the equation in this too, right? I mean, it I'm, some of this just takes time, right? Oh yeah, oh for sure. I mean, 2016 was when I, I started writing the book in end of January, beginning of February mm-hmm. of 2016, uh, end of January, beginning of February, published it August, end of August. Yeah. yeah. And, but there were some good times too. I mean, cause one of the things that you talk about in the book is you had such a great time going to your grandfather's and Christmas. You love Christmas. You're a, Oh yeah. yeah you're, I mean, oh, I mean yeah. the way you see our house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you describe it kind of as, you know, that Christmas vacation, you know, movie yes. thing with the lights. And I think you even said, I, did I read this right in the book that there was even something that you said that they never took down the Christmas stuff in the basement in your grandfather's house? They Correct. just they just lit it up. I mean, basically. Is Correct. What that, what in in my in my mom's parents' house, my grandparents had Christmas decorations because that's where Christmas Eve dinner was was right. in a Michigan finished basement. I mean, in Michigan, everybody's got a basement. It's all right. finished, right. carpeted bathrooms, like the whole deal. They had right. a bar, full bar. It was awesome, and we used to do the presents down there. Uh, we used to, I mean, that's, that's where everything was. And so right. when the party was over, they just shut the lights off and lit them up next year. <laughs> that's so funny. So <laughs> our, our current house, uh, my, my wife and I, our marriage during Christmas is, <laughs> is home improvement with Tim Allen meets <laughs> the Griswold. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's what our house looks like. That's awesome. So, uh, so going back to, um, Mr. Crazy, um, who was abusive here. So this happens over and over. Matter of fact, there, you talk about that. You, there's a little white powder that, uh, you have to keep your mouth shut on and that you're, you're probably involved in a little bit of a deal and everything, but he, he finally, right. he, we're we're finally get over it. We've finally done with him, right? I mean, finally. The, seventh grade. I the, remember it. I remember it so good. Seventh grade. Yeah, and but then, and then you go back to living actually in your grandfather's basement. The you in the the second time. Right, the second in, time. In, in third grade, it's so in third grade, we had moved from second grade. Um, we had moved from the city uh, where we were living up out to the country. In, uh, in St. Clair, Michigan. So we moved out of Detroit, moved into Warren, and then and, um, we were just on the outskirts of, like, right on the city line of where Detroit and then not Detroit. And we moved to St. Clair. And I started third grade, and then we got evicted from our house eight weeks to go before I finished third grade. Right. And we moved in to my to my mom's parents, my grandparents into their basement where we had Christmas Eve. And it was, it was tough. I mean, it was, it was tough. You know, we lived there for the remaining eight weeks and then we lived there for like a month into the summer, a month before my fourth grade year, we moved into, um, 
we moved back down, you know, cause I live in the city. So we right. moved, uh, basically kind of where we used to live this cause they knew the area and that's the fourth, fifth and sixth grade year. That was the three worst. That was the, that was the terror years. That was the, that was the, you know, the, the pawning of our stuff, the bikes, the jewelry, the white powder, the scary guys that would just show up at the house randomly at like three o'clock in the morning right. cops. And like, I mean, it was just, it was insane. And, um, after my mom left, actually we ran away in the middle of the night, we ran away, moved out. And, uh, while he was in jail, we came back to the house and got all our stuff and moved out into my grandparents' house again and lived there for seventh and eighth grade. Wow. We're talking with Sean Douglas, author of the book, Decisions, The uh, Power to Overcome Self-Defeating Behaviors. And we're just into the beginning of the book and uh, just an amazing story of how he's overcome life tragedy. And you're listening to him here on A New Direction. A New Direction is brought to you by our famous and awesome sponsors, of course, that would be inline business brokers and advisors. Look, are you a business owner? At some point, you're going to need the services of an experienced business broker. Selling your business is a big decision. Make sure you build your deal team, starting with the experts, an internationally known group as of inline business brokers and advisors. You can learn more by going to inline.com and Linda Craft and Team Realtors. doesn't matter where you're at in the world. Linda Craft and her team can help you find the right professional to help you sell your home or buy your home. And if you happen to be in the Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, otherwise known as the Research Triangle Park area, why don't you go by uh, there at Six Forks Road and learn why they are the legends of customer service and they are bringing you a new direction as well as Sean Douglas. And we are talking with Sean Douglas here on A New Direction and his book, Decisions, The Power to Overcome Self-Defeating Behaviors. And Sean, we're just in the really early stages of your life. Your mom uh, does eventually remarry, but <laughs> as you write in the book, uh, you move basically behind where your grandparents. Uh, uh, actually, she's living with the guy. I think it is really. Yeah, yeah. We don't. She doesn't actually marry him. Um, so he lived behind my grandparents' house and had saw my mom and and us and knew that we lived there. And, um, they had gotten together and was dating. And my ninth grade year, we ended up moving into his house for one year for basically the school year. Uh, but he, he was not physically abusive, right? That he was not. He was well, yeah, he wasn't physically abusive. He, he, I don't think he meant to, but that that's really cliche. Um, I really wanted to watch the Super Bowl. Like I was, I was all about like Green Bay Packers that year, '97. Like, man, let's 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 get it right. right, right. And, uh, and and he wanted me to like help him like build stuff in the garage. I'm like, what? Like Super Bowl's on. Like I hate sports. Well, I don't care what you like. I want to watch it. And he had just yanked me by my shirt collar and yanked me back into the garage and said, you know, get your, you know, in here now. And I'm like, what? I was like, you're not my dad. Like, back off. You're not my dad. And I turned around, slammed the door in his face and went down and watched Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, well, apparently I got in trouble and that's not the right thing to say. And, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, I was just tired at that point of right. people just trying to be my dad and trying to make up for it. All I heard my whole life is how our dad abandoned us and our dad left. And your dad only cares about, um, you know, paying you guys off, you know, like that type. Because, right. you know, my, my dad paid uh, child support to me and my two sisters. Right. And, uh, and, and every person that ever, you know, 
had come around, it was always like, you know, your dad's this and your dad's this. And I just got tired of hearing it. And, you know, one thing I learned is that you can't replace those people. Right. Like you just like, I don't, it doesn't matter how, you know, whatever my dad did or didn't do or whatever, like he's always and forever still going to be my dad. No one's going to replace my dad. Right. But every guy that she was with tried to. Right. You know, it's just, doesn't work that way. And this guy was really more emotional and mentally abusive, Oof. right? I oh mean, man! Because you make a statement. You make a statement in the book about this guy that you basically you're not sure which one's worse. <laughs> you know that man. You, I'm not even. I gotta tell you, man. I would almost rather just be punched in the face. Then you you hear things. And you don't think much of them, but it, but it puts seeds into your brain. Right. You know, you know, I, I just, I remember one, one Christmas we were sitting there and, uh, and we had gotten, you know, the time of CDs and Walkmans and all this stuff, you know? And so, you know, I'm just sitting in the rocket chair, listening to my music. Like I always did. I just, I learned very early on, uh, I have a love of music and whenever things got bad, you just put a pair of headphones on and you just fall into the fall into the music you know just encapsulate yourself into the words of the song and go wherever the song is going if it's talking about a metal just imagine yourself in a metal so i was meditating before it was even cool to be meditating and uh and i remember you know he had just kind of walked over and i pulled the headphones away and he's like what are you doing i just listened to the music he's like, is that all you're gonna do all day I'm like it's christmas he's like you're gonna turn out like a deadbeat like your dad Oh. And like would walk away. I'm like, what? Like what? I don't, whatever, dude. And like an hour later, I'm like, I'm not a dead, like what? And it would just mess with me. Right. And then, you know, he would say things like, you didn't even cook dinner right. Wow. What kind of woman doesn't cook dinner right? Oh, man. You're like, golly, like, oh my, like brutal words. Right. Oh, man, they stung. Right. Man. And it was just, I mean, he would say these, these, these things that, that, I would much rather just be hit in the face right? because what the word, it wasn't even like he swore at you. He didn't yell at you. You know, he would just sit there and go, you're never going to amount to anything. Mm. You're going to be a loser. I'm like, I, what, (laughs) you know? And then one day he'd be like, man, I love you guys so much. You're so amazing. You're amazing kids. (sighs) You're like, uh, Oh, Oh, okay. Um, Okay. Yeah. And then the next day we wouldn't do our chores or whatever. He's like, you lazy piece of crap. Wow. We're like, what? Like, so. And then come to find out later in life, because you don't know these things right, like right, behind right, closed right. doors. Come to find out, my mom was like, oh, yeah, dude was like way bipolar. Yeah, he was like super bipolar. Wow. And like, stop taking his meds. Well, that would have been nice to know, mom. That would have been <laughs> fantastic. Nice <laughs> information. Considering the guy had a safe full of guns. Oh, that sat gosh. in the living room. I re- oh man, yeah. Don't even get me started on that. He was a huge hunter. Um, yeah, he was an outdoorsman man. guy. Oh yeah, big outdoors guy. He used to take me bird hunting, and then uh, I shot my I shot a I shot a a deer, and uh, and I was a wussy because I didn't know how to gut the deer and field dress a deer. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. My father, like every, but who doesn't, who doesn't know that? Loser. Who doesn't know that? Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my father, my father's a loser 
and is a failed parent because he never taught his boy what a man is supposed to do mm. and field dress a deer. Mm. Mm. But I never shot a deer before. Right. Right. Like my daddy's taking me hunting all the time. My dad's killed many animals, right. but he didn't see it that way. So, yeah, I was a wussy and a crybaby because I didn't know, and I was a girl. Uh, yeah. So you have a quote, uh, page 38, and, uh, I, you know, I, my book is in so – your book is in so many colors on Kindle, on my Kindle. Um, seriously, you know, they only give you four colors. And I don't know why we only get four. Why can't we have more than four colors? Because I could have right? done more colors. But you, on page 38, you say, how many times do you think that it's just easier to deal with the problems instead of fixing them? Yeah. I mean, Sometimes it's just easier to deal. Yeah, but, but you know what? You make this point that, yeah, it's easier to deal with them, but the fact of the matter is they never get fixed. Right? Correct. Right? And, and go into talking about, you know, fixing the issues. Because I think, I think you know, part of me, you know, is like, you know, you just made this, this this statement. You know, your mom is you know mom is clearly desperate. It seems, at least to my perspective, it seems like she's desperate to not be alone, and um, she was looking for something to fill something. But she clearly she clearly had her own problem, and, the, and she was dating guys with problems and or marrying guys with problems. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like she was struggling with her own set of problems. I'm. Not sure. Um, okay. There may be, maybe. Okay. I'm not really sure about her her mental state. I just remember during that marriage that she would work two jobs and, and do whatever she could to just put food on the table. Right. I remember in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, I literally, I think I wrote about this. I literally remember coming home and I was out. I was out pretty much most of the day, and it was dark, like like dark, dark. Right. And I get done, and I rush home, and I'm trying to sneak in. And my mom's like, "Oh my god, where were you? Where have you been?" And she's panicked. She goes, "He's waiting for you. Like, where have you been?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Mom, you gotta hide this. You gotta hide this." And I'd made sixty dollars. I said, "Mom, you gotta hide this. Like, you, you you have to hide this." And so I gave my mom the money, and she gave me like five bucks. And I walk in and he's like, it's about time. I was like, I'm really sorry. I, I, I walked everywhere and I was trying to shovel snow. And he's like, what did you make? And he took my $5. Mm. And, 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 you know, he had, he had taken all the money and that's what he always did. He controlled the money. He controlled the keys, the phone, the, I mean, everything, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and, I, and the same thing starts showing up when I'm older and we're in the other guy's house mm. and, you know, he, he, wants me to get a job and I need to get money and I, and I just revert back to, is it the same thing? And I remember when I wrote that, I'm like, sometimes it's just easier to deal with it. Mm, I'm fascinated by our body's will to survive. I am even more fascinated what our body does to survive. It will morph and shape and become resilient and morph and shape again and twist and turn and Build things inside of your brain and build things inside of your body that will allow it to withstand all of the beatings that happen. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by people's responses to stress 
and anxiety and depression and trials and tribulations and and how they come out the other side. I'm fascinated by it. Mm. Yeah, I. The, yeah, we, the reason are... the reason why I said that it's easier to deal is because it's more work mm. to fix the problem. Your mm. body is inherently wired for survival, so it, it, it's almost like a character trait. Mm. Mm. What I want to do is I just wanted to deal. Right. I just wanted to get through it. It's like high school. Like I hate high school. It's only two more years. I got to get through it. Just stupid teachers and the test. And I just got to wait and time and time and time. And so I already knew like 18, I'm out. Like I'm out of here. And I was right. just buying my time. Gotcha. And eventually it worked out. So let's let's talk about Sean. Let's move ahead. Let's jump ahead. Because yep. Yep. you're out of school and it's it's you're I think you're working at a tire some tire yep, place discount tire discount and, tire in Port Huron so we moved out in 10th grade and I attended the high school that I was attending for the remaining three years so when I graduated high school by the time that I was 18 because I graduated when I was 17 when I graduated high school I had lived in 11 different houses and attended eight different schools in my life mm-hmm Mm. It's nuts. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I mean, but but you know, you, it also says something that you just said, and you know what? You're the resiliency that, that we can be resilient, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can be resilient. So you're working in Discount Tire. Yep. And it's nine eleven, and you're watching nine eleven. You're watching the twin yep. towers go down, and yep. And uh, the Pentagon, and the very next day you say, I got to do this. Yeah, I, I actually quit on 9-11. I quit my discount tire job and I, I took off my shirt. I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm out. I know what I'm doing with my life. I graduated high school with a 1.9. I was suspended and in detention more than I was in class mm. through the last three years of my high school. Mm. Like, I had pretty much fought everybody. <laughs> like right. People would just say things like, you suck, and I just punch them in the face, and I get suspended. <laughs> like, I was the anti-bully. Right. Like, I was so anti-bully that I was a bully. If I watched somebody get made fun of, I'd go and punch that dude in the face. Quit making fun of him, punch him in the face. <laughs> and like, we were just playing. Like, I don't care. Don't be mean. <laughs> like, I, I became my own worst enemy. Wow. I felt like I was like the bully police. Wow. You know, and then somebody would be mean to somebody else. Punch him in the face. That's, That's my, my my first response was to fight him. Wow. I will fight you. If you be mean to somebody, I will fight you. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, but don't you, think, don't you think, though, that this kind of a response to probably all the anger that you probably had built up? Oh, man, I had so much anger. Ooh, I was an angry kid. I, I felt amazing punching somebody in the face. Mm. Like, wow. I'm not even I'm not joking with you. When I would unload on somebody. It felt amazing to make contact and like, it, yeah, it just felt incredible. And, and later in life, that was my fear was that I would turn out like him beating my wife, beating mm. my kids, doing the same behavioral habits mm. as that guy. So when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, I'm tough. And I, and I got there was a time where I got jumped because and put in the hospital right. because of all that. But yeah, man, on 912, I went right to the recruiter's office. And said, I'm joining. I either knew I wanted to be a Marine or wanted to be in the Air Force. I either wanted to be in the hardest, most respected branch or I wanted to fly airplanes and shoot people. So I chose to go in the Air Force, but I didn't become a pilot. I became a 
crew chief who works on those fighter jets. And my whole plan was to do that and then become a pilot, but I fell in love with what I was doing, so never did. We're talking to Sean Douglas, author of Decisions, The Power to Overcome Self-Defeating Behaviors, and we're kind of walking through the book a little bit here. We're not going to give it all away, I promise we won't do that, because you can get it available on Amazon.com. It's absolutely a fabulous read. It is a read that will inspire you. It is a read that will make you cry. It will make you laugh. Uh, but it will absolutely be a life changer for you. And you're listening to Sean Douglas here on A New Direction. And A New Direction is brought to you by none other than inline business brokers and advisors. They have literally helped thousands of clients in the sale and purchase of their businesses. And they represent profitably privately held companies with gross annual revenues in excess of a million dollars. Endline delivers the highest market value in the shortest amount of time with complete confidentiality. That is their registered trademark. And you can learn more about Endline by going to Endline.com. That's E-N-L-I-G-N.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, it doesn't matter where you're at in the world, they can help you find your next home or help you sell your home and match you up with a professional that will help you do that in a excellent way. And then if you're in the Raleigh-Durham, Chapel Hill area, why don't you drop by and see Linda Craft and her team and find out why they have legendary customer service. They've been doing it over for 34 years and there's a reason why. And we are talking with Sean Douglas here on A New Direction and his book, Decisions, The Power to Overcome Self-Defeating Behaviors. So Sean, you join, you're in, uh, but as great as it is, um, well, actually, I want to go back. I want to go back to something that you said. I want to take back a quote that you said. You said, I need to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. What do you mean by that? I am an analogy junkie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love analogies and parables. I'm I similar. have an analogy for everything. When you're a thermostat, you change the temperature. You change the meaning. You change the outcome. You can change things. You have the power when you're a thermostat. Mm. When you're a thermometer, all you can do is just take the temperature mm. and deal. So if something's not going right in your life, are you going to be the thermostat that changes the temperature or be the thermometer that just acknowledges that that's all you're good for? Mm. And, and what, what, what was the moment for you where you went, dude, I can, I can do this. I can, I've got the power. What was that changing moment for you where you kind of said, I got to stop being the, the thermometer. I got to be the thermostat. That moment was December of 2008 when I put a gun in my mouth and tried to take my life. That was the moment. And what, what caused you to be so low? I mean, when you look back at it now, what was, what was the low points? What were the, what were some of the, uh, okay, I'm going to say highlights, but what were some of the low lights? I'm not sure even how to phrase that. Yeah. What, yeah. But what, but what were the, what were some of those precipitating factors that said, you know what, it's better for me to end this than it is to live this. I had gotten married in 2007 from 2004 to 2008, I was I was everybody's drinking buddy. Had parties at the house, massive parties. My house had burned down uh, during one of our parties. <laughs> like they were massive parties, 
and, uh, and I was just a I was just a party animal, racking up all kinds of debt, going to bars. I was literally buying people's affection. I wanted people desperately to love me because I didn't feel like I got that as a child. And it caused me to drink more. It caused me to to go into a deep depression. It caused me to to just be a functioning alcoholic. And it was the moment that, you know, I got married and it wasn't like my wife was in a great place either. Uh, we both just kind of found each other. It was like, yeah, let's do this. This sounds fun. And, you know, she had a, she had a young child from her previous engagement and then we had another kid and, you know, 2008, she's like, I'm done. Like you're nuts. I can't even do this. And there's been a couple of times where I would go into a deeper depression because the three-year-old would do something and I'd fly off and just start screaming at him. And she's like, don't do that. I'm like, just screaming. And then I wait. I'm like, whoa, that's what he used to do to me. Mm. And I found myself going and I started recognizing and I was self-aware that that's where we were headed. And it, it caused me to drink further and caused me to go into more of a depression. And then at one time, uh, I was charged with an article 112 of the UCMJ uniform code of military justice, which is drunk on duty. And they were going to kick me out of the military. So I was basically losing my career. My wife was leaving, took the kids. So I lost my career, or so I thought. But I was losing my career. I was losing my wife and kids, losing everything around me. Everything was crumbling down around me. I was like, I have nothing left. I have literally lost everything in my life. And I figured there was no way out. And I just... I figured that this was going to be my life for the rest of my life, and I knew it was, it, it was not what I wanted. I would have much rather died than become what he was, and I didn't want to become that. That was my worst fear, and it started coming true, and I'm like, nope, it's the only way I can stop. And so you, you, you take the gun out. Yeah, I put the gun in my mouth, and I was ready for it, and then um, I got a phone call from my dad, who I don't talk to. Like we just, we, we didn't talk, but he had called me and was like, Hey, I just figured that, you know, I should call you. I haven't talked to you in a while. I felt like, I felt like I should call you I'm like what? And so I was sitting on my floor with a bottle of Jack Daniels in one hand and a nine millimeter in the other and just laid it all out for him. Like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to end my life. I don't want to live this life. This is stupid. This sucks. And my dad's like, yeah, yeah, I've been there. Hmm. Yeah, man. I've been there. I know what that feels like. Wow. I've been there. I'm like, wait, you've been there? He's like, I've been there. My, your mom left me and took the kids. Dude, I've been there. I know what you're going through. Mm. And it took empathy to bring me out. Not somebody going, oh, it'll be okay. It's fine. Right. right. It's, it's fine. <sighs> My dad said, I know what that feels like. <sighs> and so he identified with what I was going through. Wow. That's what brought me back. Wow. A guy who I have no relationship with. <laughs> That's, that's amazing. And then you, I mean, you get some help. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got, uh, yeah, we, you know, in the military, I usually talk to chaplains. So we went and talked to the chaplain, went and talked to the mental health counselors, got enrolled in an alcohol and drug abuse prevention and treatment program. And then I became sober. I was doing everything I was supposed to. I was talking to the chaplains and doing the counseling and, and even the therapist was like, you should have been here a long time ago. <laughs> I was like, gee, thanks. <laughs> That's what you want to hear. Right. And, uh, and I started getting better. 
and then I, you know, our, our unit was closing down. They were uh, taking the military portion of what we did uh, and giving it to a couple civilians, and then we were going to go, you know, to another duty station. And they said, hey, man, you guys get first pick of assignment. Where do you want to go? I'm like, man, I've really always wanted to be a drill instructor. But I was like, man, I don't want to. And then my command was like, dude, you need to do it. You'd be perfect. You have a great testimony. You need to go tell your story. So I don't think they want to hear all that. That's kind of like, that's not good. Like, no, no, no. Trust me. So I applied to be a drill instructor, got all kinds of letters of recommendation, and then I got it. I was accepted to be a drill instructor for Air Force basic training. And then I spent from 09 to 13 as a drill instructor, and it was the best four years of my life. I learned how to be a speaker. I learned how to be a trainer. I learned empathy. I learned how to be a leader. I learned to tell my story when it needed to and get on them when I needed to. And I fell in love with speaking, training, coaching, mentoring, all that, which catapulted me into what I was doing today. You, and it's beautiful. I mean, the, the story is beautiful, but there's a quote in here that I think is so powerful. And it's on, it's from page, it's from page 60. I think it's from page 63. It's, um, you can't fix what's going on around you until you fix what's going on inside you. 100%. I mean, that's a hundred percent true that I thought I said to myself, I highlighted that thing and I was like, wow, there is so much power in that statement that I don't care. I don't care what your addiction is. I don't care if you're, if you're addicted to something, I don't care if you're, if your marriage is failing, I don't care what it is. It apply that applies to absolutely I felt like that statement alone applies to everything, it, not only in the story that you tell in this book, but it just applies to everything in life that you can't fix what's going on around you until you fix what's going on inside you. I was just like, man, that is so, that is so seriously powerful. And, and, oh, yeah. and how you came to that conclusion, I, I mean, is just, as, I mean, considering everything that was going on, I mean, it just, it's, that was crazy to me. That, oh yeah. That you had that. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Think about it. it. A lot of times there's, there's self self-defeating behaviors. Right. People who are drinking obnoxiously. Right. Don't do it because it's fun. Right. There's something going on. Same with eating. Right. People who, who, um, emotionally eat, you know, ice cream because of a breakup or whatever, like, that like there's an issue there. Happy people are not killing themselves. Right. Happily married people aren't getting divorces. Right. Happy people are not suffering from anxiety, stress, depression, and withering away. Right. So you have to fix what's going on around you, your or inside you, your mindset, your soul, your spirit, your whatever it is. You have to do the inner work. First, because mm. the outer work is a direct reflection of what's going inside your body. Mm. I always tell people that your decisions are a direct reflection of your internal thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. Mm. That's awesome. That I, I mean, that's awesome. I the, the 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 book is entitled um, "Wow: Decisions: The Power to Overcome Self-Defeating Behaviors." We've been talking to Sean Douglas uh, for nearly an hour. And uh, can you believe it's really almost an hour that we've been together? That's insane. 
That's insane. I mean, it, it does. It feels like we've been on for like three minutes, man. Right? Yeah, I'm just telling you, it's been so powerful. And the book is powerful. You're going to want to read the book. It is going to help you really get some insights into your own, not only, you know, Sean's behavior, but you're going to look at your own self and go, you know, what do I need to do? What do I need to change? And how can I do that? And it's available on Amazon, both paperback and Kindle. And uh, I, I've encouraged him because we didn't talk about it, but um, you need to know that, you know, he revived his marriage and um, he he's, yes. and um, he is living his life amazingly. And um, it's just, it's a cool story and you're going to want to read it, not just once, you're going to want to read it again and again. And folks, you can't, I'm just telling you, I could not put it down. That's how great the book was. I literally started it. And I got so sucked into this, <laughs> to the story, I could not drop it. And I was like, I got to have him on A New Direction. And um, it's been great. Sean, you have been so great. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you so much. I always ask uh, my friends um, when they're on the show, if you could give people a new direction in their life uh, based on your book and your life, what would that new direction be to the listeners of A New Direction? You have the power to say this is not how my story ends. You have the ability to turn the page and write a new chapter. So today is the day that you make a decision to stop whatever it is you're doing, to make the decision, to turn that page, write the new chapter, write your success story, because no one's gonna do it for you. You have the power to say this is not how my story ends. I'm living proof of that. So today is the new day that you turn that page, you take a new direction, you write your success story, and you become that role model that everyone else will then follow. That's awesome. His name is Sean Douglas. The book, again, is entitled Decisions, the Power to Overcome Self-Defeating Behaviors. Folks, this is the show. This is the show, right? I mean, what a great show. How awesome was this, right? I mean, if you if if you're not, some of you are not crying or feeling like you just want to go and just rip open the doors, then you then re-listen to the show because it will feel like you want to just 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 go. I can do this because he's that kind of guy, and he's absolutely awesome. And Sean, how can people get a hold of you? I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, and uh, Instagram under the Success Core, which is C O R P S. My website is the Success Core, C O R P S, the Success Core. Dot com and like I said, I'm all over Facebook and LinkedIn. So we'd love to have a conversation with you and reference this show so I can tell Jay that I connected with one of the listeners and uh, and I can tell him about it. That would be awesome. Folks, before I close, you know what I say, right? Be inspired because when you're inspired, that means you can inspire someone else. And when you do that, that means they can in turn inspire others and that can make this world a great place. I am going to see you next week with another fabulous guest. I can't wait. And thank you, WRLY, 93.5 FM, The Oak, for having us on. Appreciate it. I will see you next week. Ciao, everybody. confidence and the answers don't make sense you got to keep your hope alive you got to know you can survive this is your time to fly a new direction a brand new day a new
Find your strength. 